0: Welcome to Portable History. I'm your host, Porter, and I welcome you to another episode. This is the sixth episode of the first season, which is on American history. Today, we'll cover the Battle of the Brandywine, the Battle of Germantown, and how George Washington stationed his troops in Valley Forge. We will also shortly cover how the French have helped the Americans in the war so far. Now, let's begin. If you remember from last time, George Washington had just beat the British three times in a row in the Battle of Trenton and in the Battle of Princeton, being the two major ones. So, he decides to set up and defend Philadelphia. And Howie decides to attack Philadelphia. And Washington, he sets up on the Brandywine River in ravines and hills to try to protect Philadelphia, because Philadelphia is the capital at the time. So General Howe decides to do a New York-style approach to attack Washington at each station in Philadelphia. So he sends a small unit as a diversion to attack the American forces as they're set up, while the rest of his army sneaks around using loyalist spies to flank George Washington from behind. George Washington realizes it's a trap too late after he beats back the bridge force really easily, and th- as thick fogs dimmed the battlefield, General Howe was able to get really close, and their presence was only known after the cannons had started. George Washington is in the thick of the battle this entire time, and his new advisor, Lafayette, So, Lafayette is a French soldier sent by Benjamin Franklin to help the American cause. George Washington didn't really like most of the soldiers that Benjamin Franklin brought in because they were used to the easier and more structured life in the French army, not in the ragtag, dirty, rough, revolutionary, continental forces, but Lafayette wasn't one of them. He... And George Washington became friends really quickly, and George Washington loved him as the son that he never had. An example of George Washington liking Lafayette so much is that when Lafayette gets wounded in the battle of Brandywine, the battle that we're talking about, he tells the doctor, treat him like my own son, because George Washington didn't have any. He adopted children, but he never was able to have any of his own. After this disastrous battle from the Americans, both George Washington and General Howe both want to attack again. But heavy rain stops them. And Philadelphia's basically lost. Washington knows this. And he writes to the Continental Congress to tell the civilians to evacuate and for them to evacuate. Because Howe's going to probably take Philadelphia. So, Washington, after losing Philadelphia to General Howe, now understands that it's the actual people that the British have to defeat. They don't have to defeat, they don't have to, if they conquer an innocent town, that's not really helping them because... You still have this American force that could fight back. And so this is kind of the battle that George Washington realizes this. And it kind of modifies how he runs the rest of the war. So George Washington is kind of just waiting around. And by early October, he decides to do a Trenton-style lunge at Germantown. It is. Fails. there it was, In the three hours of fighting, there was a bunch of mistakes. American forces shoot another other Americans because there was no consistent colonial uniform, continental uniform. So they're like, oh, is that a British? He's wearing a red shirt. He might be a British. If I don't shoot at him, he might shoot at me. So, after the Battle of the Germantown, the Americans are forced to retreat yet again, and the rough 1777 campaign is over. Washington had lost two battles in a row after winning three, Well, Gates became the hero of Saratoga. And so everyone was thinking, oh, Gates is the one who needs to lead. He just beat back the British, and he's doing really good but the constant Congress doesn't entirely think so as much and they forge a medal in Washington's honor because of his daring in the attack against Germantown. So, the entire time this, the American Revolutionary War is going on, you have ambassadors like Benjamin Franklin going to France to try to get the support of the French because the French and the British, they kind of hate each other now not so much but in history they were arch rivals and benjamin franklin he's like hey look we are repulsing this giant army this british empire you should come help us and the French are like wow the americans are doing really good and it helps convince them to help the americans in the future So, the biggest and probably most popular French ambassador is Benjamin Franklin, and he was one of the first to go to France. The French love him. Benjamin Franklin's known as a philosopher an inventor. He invented, like, the hospital. He talked about lightning, and the French loved him. They made pins, mugs. They absolutely adored him. And so, when... The British, they see this, and they try to get Benjamin Franklin on their sides. And Franklin handles this perfectly. He shows the letters to the French king, King Louis, and he's like, Hey, look, the British, they want me to plot against you, so you should go to war with us, so then you can have an advantage, and you can really fight the British, because they're planning to attack you, and it pitched the two giant imperial powers against each other, and that is why the French come and join the war. So, while all these ambassadors are off in France, The Continental Congress adopts the Articles of Confederation, and the Articles of Confederation basically outline how the American government's going to run, how it's going to be the United States of America, but each state will be able to govern itself. So it's kind of redundant, but it basically was the basis of the American government. So all this is happening as General Washington and General Howe are fighting, but the news that the French are on his side doesn't reach him until spring, and by then he has gone through Valley Forge. Valley Forge is a plateau very close to Philadelphia so that George Washington can keep an eye on General Howe, but not be too far away or too close that. They'll be fighting or lose track of him and a sneaky attack and shoot. So that winter, it is one of the coldest of the war and thousands of men die. So he has 11,000 men. And they make log huts 14 by 16 feet off to ward off the cold. And they stuff men in there. So they can be warm because of body heat. That's their main source of warmth. They don't have enough blankets, shoes. It's really horrible to the Americans. And not only to being freezing. They're also starving. The only thing they can live on is fire cakes. And it's flour and water cooked on a fire. And it's tasteless. It's hard. It's just not enough nutrients, and many of them, many of Washington's men, die of starvation. On top of that, you have disease. So, the big ones were typhus, typhoid, pneumonia, and dysentery, and it just swept through the camps. You had just, they're stuffed in these log cabins, because that's the only way they can stay warm and so one man catches it and they're huddling in this cabin to stay warm and then the rest of them catch it and they don't have enough nutrients to fight off the disease so many of them die and with the cold winter comes frostbite and many men have to amputate limbs because they they can't be used anymore so they're almost so it's just really bad and, on top of all of this, George Washington lives in constant fear that General Howe will attack his starving, frozen army and just wipe them out. George Washington, this is a horrible time for him, but he does find some comfort. He has his wife come, Martha Washington, and they she walks around tending to the wounded, helping the sick. Hey, here's a here's a ladle of water. And it's really a comfort to the army. And Martha does, in one of the battle, as she's traveling with Washington, take over for a man who got shot when he's loading a cannon, and she starts helping with that. And another comfort that George Washington finds is a man named Frederick William Augustus Baron von Steuben. And Frederick, he says he's the great quartermaster of the Prussian army. No one knows if this statement is true, but they were both named Frederick, so maybe the Prussians were trying to help the Americans. And he organizes Washington's army and whips them into shape like... He had very little English, except for, like, a few swear words, which he used a lot. And he trains them to march in in lines, he teaches them how to aim better, he teaches them how to forge, all these important skills. And all he had to do was train one unit. He trains one unit and says, hey, go teach this to another unit. And so then it's two units that know how to do all this stuff. It's like 30 men. And then those two units tell two other units, and now there's four. And then there's 16. And it just keeps on expanding until the entire army knows how to do this organized fighting of modern, of colonial Europe. So as George Washington is struggling through this winter, General Howe is replaced by Sir Henry Clinton. General Howe is the one who asks for the to be dismissed, and he eventually gets accepted and he leaves. And with this new general, Washington has to come up with some new strategies because, you know, they're different men. So, as Sir Henry Clinton, General Clinton, is marching, George Washington decides to attack his supply train. And so, he sends Charles Lee, good old Charles Lee, who basically ruins this battle. So, after he's captured, after the failed basically walk into New Jersey, not really a march, he just goes into a tavern and gets drunk, gets captured by the British. He is eventually released in a prisoner exchange, and so George Washington is forced to send him as his second-in-command to lead this Ford force. And so Charles Lee, he half-heartedly decides to, you know, charge the British, and he could have, you know, taken the army by surprise and really hit them hard, but he, like, half-heartedly pushes at the rear guard, and he is forced to retreat. And Washington, oh my, he gets so mad at the Battle of the Mammoth, like, at the Battle of the Mammoth. People are, like, it's, like, the first time they've seen Washington get, like, really mad. He's known to be cool, cool as a cucumber, and, like, not quick to anger. But he is seen yelling at Charles Lee as he's just nonchalantly walking to George Washington. And he was, like, why did you retreat? We could have won this. And he, so eventually George Washington sweeps in and saves the battle from defeat to a draw. Now, this battle is in June 28th, in 1778. And it's the opposite of the winter. It's blazing hot. It's so hot that men just fall down. So, this is kind of the year of the elements. You have this Battle of the Mammoth, June 28th, and men are dying of heat stroke. And then you have his Wintered Valley Forge, which was 1777, but it's just horrible. So, after the Battle of the Merrimack, General Clinton is able to slip away. And after this battle, the British have basically lost the North. George Washington's encamped there, they lost the Battle of Trenton, the Battle of Princeton. And they're kind of just stuck, and so they decide to move the front to the south. And really, the Battle of Mammoth Courthouse was the last true Revolutionary War battle fought on northern soil. Now we're back to the French, and so the French, after recognizing America with the help of Benjamin Franklin and declaring war on Britain, have sent General de Steng, Count de Steng, to help the Americans, and they decide to attack Newport Rhode Island, and this is a British garrison, and The French fleet can't go to New York, which is a big harbor, because the British fleet is stationed there. And so they decide to kill two birds with one stone, capture the garrison at Newport, and restock and repair the French ships. The Admiral and George Washington discuss it, and they decide to do a coordinated attack with the ships and the infantry and George Washington has to in order with like the separation of his generals and having to keep generals back to fight General Clinton decides to send General John Sullivan to attack with the French and John Sullivan he's not the best general, he failed at Saratoga and at the Battle of the Brandy One. and it's not George Washington's first pick, but it's the best pick at the time, so George Washington just sends a bunch of letters because he's off in the Newport area, and asks him not to mess this up, and he's like, okay coordinate with the French and just instructions like exactly what to do. And he still messes it up. He moves his troops into position a day early without informing the French. And so they're getting beat and by that time a British fleet has begun to attack Count Disting's General Disting's ships And it's a much larger fleet. And so they're both maneuvering to get the best of the wind. But the wind is so strong that it demassed ships. And it's a pretty disastrous naval battle. And General Sullivan, during this battle, he's like, Hey, why aren't you guys helping us? We need help. And so then he pulls away and then asks to for the attack to be commenced and repeated and but by this time general Destang has sailed away to the caribbean because he's realized that the americans aren't as trained and disciplined they're really just getting a luck, and it's like not as much as he expected of the american army So, this first French commitment is basically a, like, commitment of troops is basically a failure. And Desdun decides to go to the Caribbean. George Washington writes letters to him apologizing for Sullivan and other generals' actions on, like, saying that Desdun had dishonored France by retreating. And so this soothes his wounds, his mental wounds, but he's like, no, I'm just going to go to the Caribbean where I think I will have more success. So, the Battle of Rhode Island, the first true French and American combined assault, took place in August, so the Battle of Mammoth Courthouse is one of the last true battles on northern soil and this is after the battle of Man's Courthouse this is the time that the british decide to attack the south and their first attack is on the city of Savannah and this happens in early winter and slaves and loyalists joined the british cause loyalists were concentrated there's a lot of them in the south and they swelled british numbers and slaves, the British promised them freedom from their American owners in if they fought for them for, like, a certain amount of time and stuff. And so a lot of slaves joined the British cause. Some did join the Americans in exchange for their freedom, but eventually Washington had to stop this because he was losing support of pro Con- continental south-southern patriots, and as 1770 ends, the British decide to continue this campaign in the south after the attack on Savannah, and it becomes basically the main finding place for the rest of the war. Okay, that is the end. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and thank you for listening.